People's last words are about family and about who they're leaving behind and how they're going to leave them because that's what's all that's left after they're expired is their legacy, what the people who they're leaving behind. And David, in these first seven verses of chapter 23, are telling as well. And David tells us that God spoke to him. And specifically, David spoke these, or God spoke these words to David. He said, He who rules over men must be just ruling in the fear of God. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Through this psalm in chapter 23, David remembers his life and his calling from God. David's father, Jesse, was a humble farmer, and this title reminds us of David's humble beginning. David allowed God to raise him up so that he could confidently rest in who he was. David was anointed by God, not by himself or merely by man. He had a unique empowering and enabling from God. As a psalmist, David had a beautiful gift of eloquence and expression before God. We as Christians can learn from David, who was a man after God's own heart. Now let's join Pastor Rob for today's lesson. Let's open our Bibles tonight to uh, 2 Samuel. We're going to look at, hopefully, chapters 23 and 24 this evening. Lord willing, we'll finish the the book, and then the next time we get together, we'll start 1 Kings. Really looking forward to that. You recall as we have looked through these last few chapters in the book of 2 Samuel, especially these uh, chapters 21 through 24, they're really um, appendixes or appendices, if you will, and they're not necessarily in chronological order. As we've looked at uh, chapters 21 and and 22, uh, we have seen that pretty clearly. And tonight's no different. But we're going to be looking at chapter 23 where David, you'll notice in your your Bible, if you have a section at the top, it says David's final words or David's last words. And whenever you think of the last words of anyone, they really are significant. And, And whatever my last words are, if I die a natural death before the rapture, I hope that they're wise and meaningful rather than something like this. Can somebody get me a tissue and wipe my nose? (laughs) Or can I have some more painkillers? I hope that my last words have value, that they're wise. And a a person's last words often really tell the tale of their heart and their life, doesn't it? And a lot of times we're we're caught off guard, and, and, and for those people who have had their last moments, had the opportunity to speak last words, that people could hear, they, 
they do are they are significant. And I, I, was, I did a search, and I just kind of was curious of what some people's last words were. Some people in the world. I know Kurt Cobain. He his last words: "It's better to burn out than to fade away." <laughs> I don't know that that's really a wise saying. <laughs> Steve Jobs. His final words were, oh, wow. And he said it three times, actually, in front of his family. So I don't know what he was seeing. I'm hoping it was the Lord coming for him. That would be certain to be something to be say, oh, wow, about. Todd Beamer, the one who was in that hijacked Flight 93, remember, as it crashed in Pennsylvania, his last words to his family or to the words of the people there were, let's roll. Elvis Presley, his famous last words. I'm going to the bathroom to read. (laughs) And John Quincy Adams, his famous last words were, This is the last of earth. I am content. And Jane Austen, I want nothing but death. I wonder if she was in a lot of pain. But just to think of somebody's last words, and most people when they near the end of their life, their last words usually indicate, um, probably don't indicate, you know, most people's last words aren't that they wish they had spent more time at the job, that I wished I had put in more overtime at work, I wished I had, you know, uh, enjoyed my hobby more. Most of the time, people's last words are about family and about who they're leaving behind and how they're going to leave them because that's what's all that's left after they're expired is. Their legacy, the people who they're leaving behind. And David, in these first seven verses of chapter 23, are telling as well. And David tells us that God spoke to him. And specifically, David spoke these, or God spoke these words to David. He said, He who rules over men must be just, ruling in the fear of God. David also acknowledges that he and his house was not worthy to receive these words. But that he, David, he clung, notice, to God's everlasting promise, which we will see, that that God had made with David. He clung to that promise. And so David's last words are really God's words of exhortation and God's promise to David and David's confidence, ultimately, in God's ability to follow through with it. I think that's really something. And what a great legacy for all of us to those um, who would follow after David. At my end, I would rather say something that the Lord has already spoken to me, or maybe something of his word, an exhortation from the word of God. Jesus, when he hung on the cross, what did he say? Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then his final words were, it is finished, the price has been paid in full. I think those are some pretty significant words. And so David is going to do that. Let's look at those just verse seven, uh, 1 through 7, let's read through those, and then we'll come back and get into it, okay? So notice what it says. Now these are the last words of David. Thus says David, the son of Jesse, thus says the man raised up on high, the anointed of the God of Jacob, and the sweet psalmist of Israel. The Spirit of the Lord spoke by me, and his word was on my tongue. The God of Israel said, The rock of Israel spoke to me, And this is his words. He who rules over men must be just, ruling in the fear of God. 
And he shall be like the light of the morning when the sun rises, a morning without clouds, like the tender grass springing out of the earth, by clear shining after rain. Those are God's words to David. And then David responds and he says, Although my house is not so with God, yet he has made with me an everlasting covenant, ordered in all things and secure, for this is all my salvation and all my desire. Will he not make it increase? But the sons of rebellion shall be as thorns thrust away, because they cannot be taken with hands. But the man who touches them must be armed with iron and the shaft of a spear, and they shall be utterly burned with fire in their place. And so these are David's final words. These are the words that God spoke to him, and there's David's response. And I love that, because David just basically says, you know, this is what God said to me. God has made me accountable And God has made me sweet and precious promises. Has God made you a precious promise? Throughout the word of God, there are many precious promises that he's given to his church, that he's given to Israel. And maybe even he has spoken to you a verse of scripture or something that he's just spoken to your heart outside of the word of God, but you're holding on to it. I know I've had those in my life, and I had to wait for many years for some of those to come to fruition because it didn't happen when God spoke a promise to me. It wasn't something that he just fulfilled immediately. There were times, and, and, and even sometimes several years from the moment he spoke something to me until it came to fruition. Don't be discouraged by that. When you look at Moses and you think of all the things that God spoke to him, there were many, many, many years in between where God didn't speak to him, but gave him a directive. And, and all he had to do was follow that until God spoke again. And so when we read the Bible, it's condensed truth. And so when we read it, we often think, wow, that must have happened the very next day that this thing came to pass. No, there are sometimes between verses, there are years between verses, sometimes decades, sometimes hundreds of years. But notice in verse 1, David's last words. He says, now these are the last words of David. Thus says David, the son of Jesse. Thus says the man raised up on high. That's a title, really. The man raised up on high. And another title, the anointed of the God of Jacob. The word anointed there is really interesting. I'd encourage you to underline it because in the Hebrew it means Messiah. One of the things about the, this chapter, especially these words of uh, these first seven verses, they are prophetic also of Jesus Christ, David's, uh, David's son, but yet David's God at the same time. We're going to see that these words are very applicable to David in his own life, but we're also going to see they're prophetic for what's coming and what would happen in the life of Christ, and even for events that are still yet future to us, and we'll get to that. But notice it says anointed, the anointed of the God of Jacob. It was a title, really, for, for not only for uh, David, but for Jesus Christ. The anointed, the Messiah, that's literally what it means. The anointed one. David was anointed, but this was also speaking of Jesus Christ, the root of David. The root of David. And we see this same word, and you might want to mark in your margin of your Bible, Daniel 9.26. Because you'll see in your own English translation, in the New King James Version, you'll see it 
in Daniel 9.26, and it says, And after 62 weeks, Messiah, there's the same exact Hebrew word, but it, it just spells it out for us. Instead of saying anointed, it just says Messiah. The translators thought, you know, that's what it means. That's what it says. We're going to write it. And so that's literally what it means. So it's the same word here as the anointed of the God of Jacob, the Messiah of the God of Jacob. And we know that ultimately David is speaking of one greater than him, speaking of Jesus. And notice the other phrase, the sweet psalmist of Israel. I love that. David being responsible for more than half of the psalms. So now we see David has these names, the man raised up on high, the anointed of the God of Jacob, the sweet psalmist of Israel. And there's even another one that the Bible tells us, and it's the man after God's own heart. The man after God's own heart. Yes, in spite of all the mistakes that he did, he was still a man after God's own heart. Are you a woman after God's own heart? Are you a man after God's own heart? I would encourage you to be like David and make God the one that you run after. Don't be satisfied for anything until you are, you're holding him, until you're living, <laughs> and just let him have all of you. You'll be most blessed, most encouraged, the more you draw clear, nearer to Jesus. But I can promise you this, the farther you get away from him, it's going to be the exact opposite. You're not going to have any assurance of this blessing that he wants to give you. In fact, some people, some Christians, they, 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 they're saved and they're born again, but they've just kind of died on the vine. It doesn't mean they're going to hell or anything, because God, when he makes a promise, when he puts the Spirit in you, you're, you're going with him. He, he doesn't take that promise from you, that, that Spirit in you. But if we don't feed ourselves, we can kind of just kind of be by the wayside. And we have then no assurance then, do we? Because we're not abiding in him. To abide in the vine means to do what it says. To abide a vine, when it's abiding, it's receiving the nutrients. And all the branches from the vine are receiving the nutrients because they're abiding in the vine. If they, if they somehow are able to detach themselves, there's no more life. But David calls himself the sweet psalmist of Israel. And as a humble man that David was and had become, I'm confident that he didn't make up these titles for himself. These were things that he probably heard others speaking to him. Notice in verse 2, it says, The Spirit of the Lord spoke by me, and His word was on my tongue. And I love that. As we look at verses 3 and 4, um, they're the words that God had spoken to David, and here they are. The God of Israel said, The rock of Israel spoke to me, and here is the words. He who rules over men must be just, ruling in the fear of God. And it's very possible that this was in the latter part of David's career, his, his reign. And it would seem fitting, whether it's at the beginning or the end, it doesn't really matter when God did this in David's life, because the, the truth is the truth. He who rules over men must be just. That's why God places leaders over us. And it's their job to be just. And we know that many are not just. And God allows them to continue for a season, even if they are wicked. But to rule over men, we must be just. And ruling, not, only accord, not according to our own desires, but ruling in the fear of God. The fear of God, yes, the fear, the awe of God, but also the fear of God. It's very important. And notice... Well, God continues to say, And he shall be like the light of the morning when the sun rises. 
a morning without clouds, like the tender grass springing out of the earth by clear shining after rain. And so really short and sweet were the words of God to David. And then David responds here in verse 5. He says, Although my house is not so with God, yet he has made with me an everlasting covenant, ordered in all things, notice, and secure, for this is all my salvation, all my desire. Will he not make it increase? Notice the honesty, the humility, and the truth in David. This was not David in some kind of false humility, because David's house was a mess. It continued to be a mess. And David lived with the consequences of those decisions that he had made and that God had told him would come to pass. But God loved David, and David was a man after God's own heart. Can you imagine that? When we, After all that we've been through with David, and after all that we've seen, to know that God loved this man, even with all those horrendous mistakes, the adultery and the murder, and the disobedience at times, the, the prayerlessness. And then there's a handful of places where David inquired of the Lord, Thank God. <laughs> He had his moments, and and aren't you like that? I mean, hopefully none of us are committing adultery and killing people, but we commit adultery in our minds, and we kill people in our hearts because of our anger and our hatred. We're able to do that. But David had the honesty to say, it's not so with my house. All these things, Lord, that you said are, are, are true, and your promises are irrevocable. They're without repentance your promises, they're going to come to pass. And I don't deserve them because it hasn't been so with my house. I haven't been the best example. And I love the humility of David. But David knew that he was forgiven. And Satan, the accuser of the brethren, he loves to bring accusation of us to God, always. But if we are believers in Christ and we confess our sins, Satan is wasting his time and God's time as well when he goes before the throne to accuse us because Jesus' blood has cleansed us from all sin. So he's wasting his time. He's wasting his time and he's wasting God's time because we are under the blood if we indeed have confessed and given Christ our hearts. And I know, I believe and hope that we all have. And if you haven't, please do. Tonight, before you leave, give your heart to Christ. Notice in verse 5, he says, Although my house is not so with God, yet he has made with me an everlasting covenant. Right in the margin of your Bible, uh, chapter 7. Of course, we're in 2 Samuel. Just put 7, and then verses 8 through 16. This was the Davidic covenant. We're going to read it again, uh, and I'll just read it to you. I'm just going to start with verse 10. Remember, the Lord spoke to David. Early in his reign, after he brought the Ark of the Covenant into the tabernacle, he brought it back to Jerusalem. What what did God say to him as he began his reign? It says in verse 10 of 2 Samuel 7, verse 10, Moreover, God says, I will appoint a place for my people. Now remember, this is an everlasting covenant. And these are unconditional promises, many of them, in this promise that God made. Some are conditional, some are unconditional Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them, that they may dwell in a place of their own and move no more. Nor shall sons of wickedness oppress them any more as previously. Since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel and have caused you to rest from all your enemies, also the Lord tells you that he will make you a house. 
Because this is God's response to David having it in his heart that he wanted to build God a house. Because David's living in this beautiful cedar palace. And he's like, you know what? Why is God setting out in a tent? I think it started to eat at him a little bit. And he's like, you know what? Why am I in this beautiful place and God is out under this thing full of badger skins? Dyed red. (laughs) Why is that? And God's like, David, I don't have a problem with you living in a nice house. I, I, I dwell in eternity. I've got, I don't need a house. And when did I ever tell you? Let me, well, let's just read it, because that's what he tells him. So God says, I have, pl- I have planted a house for the, my people to dwell in, and that they would, uh, a place of their own, to move no more. And so shall the sons of wickedness oppress them any more, as previously, since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel, and have caused you to rest from all your enemies. The Lord tells you that he will make you a house. And then when your days are fulfilled, and this is a promise, when your days are fulfilled, David, and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you. Now, obviously, God is speaking of certainly Solomon, but he's speaking way past Solomon. He's speaking of the seed. Compare that to Genesis 3.15. The seed of the woman, who is who? Jesus Christ. He says, I will set up your seed after you, God says, who will come from your body. And that's true because Jesus came from the line of Judah. He came through David's loins and through his line. That's true. He did. And I will establish his kingdom, and he shall build a house for my name. Notice, not David to build a house, even though David wanted to build a house. He says, David, you're not going to do it. You're you're a man of blood. You've got blood on your hands. But your son, your son Solomon, he is going to build me a house. And notice what it says in verse 14. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. And here is the conditional promise. If he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the blows of the sons of men. But my mercy shall not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from before you, and your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. That's why it's called an everlasting covenant. I will establish forever your kingdom before you, and your throne shall be established forever. He says it twice. Forever. That may, when God repeats himself like that, basically what he's saying is amen and amen and amen. And that is an unconditional promise. This is what I'm going to do through you, David. And that's what blew David completely away. And this was before he had sinned and before all of his mistakes. God had spoken to him this wonderful promise. And notice what David says there in verse 5 back in our text. He says, and, and you have made me this everlasting covenant, and it's ordered, meaning it's ordained in all things, and it's secure. It is secure, because when God says that he's going to do something, he does it. He doesn't, he's not dependent on somebody else helping him out. He doesn't need any help. In fact, I'm the biggest liability to him, as I, even as I share his word. It'd be much better if I just read it. Maybe we should do that. But he's also called us to expound on it so that we can apply these things to our life and learn. But notice, all of these things are ordered and they're secure. For this is all my salvation, all my desire. Will he not make it increase? 
And notice that David knew it was ordained by God and nothing could keep it from happening. Nothing could... That concludes our time for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 2 Samuel. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585 586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.